Man, the Dollar Club stuff is awesome. I don't know if we should feel guilty at all, but we love to make someone cry, don't we? You know, like that's our favorite thing. Like, what can we do to make you so happy that you cry? This story actually even gets better than that. Like, uh, when the cameras go off, one of our um, longtime River Ridgers, they were in her classroom, Brandy Cox, they were in her classroom, and they just got to talking a little bit longer. Let me just read this. This is what it, one of their conversation. It was something to the effect that Miss Benny said this. She says, my main man takes care of me. I was praying about this this morning. My mom's car got stolen, and then it was totaled, and we thought we could get the Kelly Blue Book value for it, but they were gonna give us like $4,000 short of what it was worth. We looked everywhere trying to find a car that would be within the amount, and we couldn't find any. Last night, we were out looking and nothing, and so I prayed for God to make a way because we just can't catch a break, and now I can't wait to call my mommy and tell her about this. Isn't that awesome? That is amazing, and I don't know if you caught the amount that was in there. We were able to give her just over $4,000, which was the exact amount that she needed for the car that was there. Man, we don't know how it works out this way, but somehow God always has a plan, and he is always working exactly the way it was supposed to be. Man, that is so amazing, and it's so fun to be a part of that kind of stuff for sure. Well, good morning to everybody in here uh, at all of our River Ridgers. And if you're a guest with us, welcome into this place this morning. My name is Blair. I'm one of the pastors. And I'm so glad that you've decided to spend this day with us this morning. Um, last week, we kicked off a new series that we titled What to Do When. And Chad got us, got us started off with, a, with the series with what to do with when I'm drifting from God. And he had this really great illustration of what the Christian journey often looks like. And he, he illustrated it in the way that it's often like going, trying to go up the wrong side of the escalator. Like you're attempting to go up the wrong side. And we kind of don't really understand this at first, but, that, but it's really true that the Christian life is very countercultural. We don't naturally just drift into our relationship with God. We don't go deeper into a personal relationship with God. We actually drift away from there. Now the good thing is, is that as long as you're taking steps, just like on, an, on an, the escalator, you can make it to the top. But the moment you stop, you drop, start drifting backwards away from that and you don't naturally drift to God into a deeper relationship. And he gave us a list of several causes that happen that, uh, that, that kind of cause this drift in our lives. And the first one that he said was busyness. And I think for most of us, that was probably the one that jumped out to us more than any others. It wasn't something that we did intentionally to ourselves that, that got us drifting. It's just life. It's just the fact that it's so much going on. Carol and I have been talking about this a lot lately for our own lives and just talking about how everything is so busy and how there's so much to get done. And we always have this feeling of pressure, actually, to make sure that we get everything done and that we are also able to provide a bunch of great adventures and experiences and memories for our kids that we kind of want to insert there. Almost to the point that when they have the choice later on in life that they actually will want to come back and hang out with us. And so we want to create these kind of times where we can do that. 
And a couple of years ago, we went to Ace Adventure for the first time, and it was awesome. Our kids had a blast going all over these water inflatables and the zip lining. And it, I just remember it being just an incredibly fun day for us as a family. We were all out there in the water. We're trying to climb up on all these inflatables, and we're laughing so hard at none of us being able to get to the, to the next level or whatever. But then when someone did, we were all cheering so excited about that, and you were like, yeah, you made it. And we were just saying, Carol and I were just sitting there and we're saying, we wanna do that again this summer. Let's, let's put that in our schedule. And as we got ready to start trying to figure out, all right, what day is gonna be the best that this fits in? We realized, man, how tough it is to just insert one more thing into our schedule and how um, our, our schedule was busy. So we actually sat down with our calendars and said, okay, what day can we do this? We wanna do this, we're gonna pick a day to do it. And we're like, how about this Saturday? And we looked at that Saturday and we're like, oh, well, we can't do it then because I've got class the day before and I gotta finish a paper and so I don't think it's gonna work on, on that day. Okay, how, what about the next Saturday? Well, I can't do it then because I'm in class and I've got to meet up with my, with my homework partner. Okay, that's fine. All right, how about this day then? Well, we can do it that day, but we're going to have to get back, we're going to have to leave early because we got to get back for, our kids, for this other kid's birthday party that we said we're all going to be about. Okay, that's fine. All right, what about this day? Well, we can't do it that day because we got this sport. And it was becoming so overwhelming over the fact that we couldn't just put a time in there that our family could get away for just a few hours on a quick day trip that I was just getting so frustrated frustrated with that. And it was and I realized that we're not the unique ones in that. We're not the we're not some kind of special family that has this overly packed schedule. We we aren't even kind of considered booked in this area. It's just the normal for, for this day and age. When we have this dual income families where we all have a couple of kids and responsibilities to go with them. And it's crazy because the more you grow or the more you mature or you succeed in life, the more responsibility you have and that you're, you're, you're rewarded with. I remember when I was a kid that the, like, the most stress I had was, am I gonna have enough time to beat Mario before I have to go to bed? Like, that was it. But responsibility only just continues to grow and grow and grow. And before you know it, you have a job, student loans, a mortgage, a house to take care of, a spouse and kids and responsibilities that are all there. Then with each of these things, it's crazy because they come with more responsibilities as well. We were able to build our dream house. We have loved this dream house. This is not a true example for me. We, we have this house that we always wanted, but when we get there, we have this lawn that just got bigger, and so it takes longer to mow than it ever did before. When we get into our house, we now have more bathrooms, and so now we have to clean more bathrooms than we ever did. And for some reason, more people wanna come and visit us now that we got this house, and so we're always entertaining people. Or the fact of, you know, when, when you have this job and you found the job that you love, I love this job, it is awesome, it is incredible. And as so many people are depending on me now to do this job well, and you recognize that, all right, if, even if I bust my butt and I get to the other side and I work really hard to finish this project that I'm on, then you're rewarded with somebody else's work because they're falling behind and they can't keep up and your boss is like, you can do it better than them. Or what about having these kids? Man, I love being a dad, I really do. I say often that probably the title that I most identify with now is dad or daddy, even more than Blair. But as we all know, there are a ton of responsibilities that come with the joy of parenting. Each of my kids have their own schedules. They have their own group of friends. They have their own practices and sports that they're involved with. 
They have their own parties that they're going to with their friends and these friends over here. They all have their own supply list that they've gotta get before school starts for their particular classroom and we gotta go out and make sure that we get their, their exact class supply. Then when we get there for the first day of school, they're all gonna have their own um, read aloud day that we all need to sign up for and make sure that we get to everybody's class. And you know what, they all wanna eat every single day. Every single day these kids wanna eat. And, and every day they wanna wear clothes. And every single day, well that's actually not true of my kids. Not all of them wanna wear clothes every day. And that's a problem in itself as well, right? Because now I'm responsible for making sure that they do everything that they're supposed to do, like put on clothes, like brush your teeth, like go to bed on time, not have too much screen time, make sure you eat your vegetables, do everything you're supposed to do. And I really want those things for them, I really do. I'm happy that they do those things. But they don't want those things for themselves most of the time, right? And sometimes they just wanna fight about it and we're just having a fight over and over about the fact of just do what you need to do kind of thing. Just to make sure everything that gets done, that needs to get done, gets done. And the thing about this is, is that we don't even actually realize anymore when we get to a place of overwhelmed because that's just normal life. That's just every day that we're experiencing this. This isn't a unique week that when we get to the other side of this week, it's gonna be like, oh. No, that's the normal flow of everyday life for us. And as a result, we're not seeing the signs anymore, and we're not even recognizing that we're starting to get to this place of being overwhelmed and that it's leading to burnout because we don't remember a time when it didn't feel this way. There are symptoms, and most of the time these symptoms, if we're paying attention to them, are some way that we try to escape or ignore or try to control or just to run from the overwhelmed life that we're feeling in that moment. Harvard Health um, actually did a study on this not that long ago. It was, well, uh, 2014, so it's a little bit dated, but uh, a lot of it still applies, um, that what people do when they're most overwhelmed and stressed and they created this kind of study and they found that the most popular things that people do or what most people do to cope with their overwhelmness are, are these kind of things. First, the, one of the things they do is they withdraw from their friends or their spouse and they start to basically not have time for them. Conversely, they said the other most popular one that happens a lot of times is actually they, um, they jump into a frenzied social life just so they, they can avoid or ignore the fact that they got a bunch of stressful problems going on. We are either overeating and as a result of it gaining weight or we're not eating at all and as a result of it losing weight in unhealthy ways. We're sleeping too much or we're drinking too much alcohol. We're lashing out at others just for no reason whatsoever but just emotionally we're spent and so we're saying things we shouldn't say. We're taking prescriptions or over-the-counter medication just for something to provide some kind of relief in a way such as like sleeping pills or muscle relaxers or even anti-anxiety uh, medication. I think for me, I started trying to think about what, what, what are the symptoms for me that I'm not recognizing and I wanted to just pause for a second and start thinking. And I, I realized this very recently that I learned about myself um, that one of my symptoms for being overwhelmed is that when my kids are trying to joke around with me and I no longer find it funny, but I just find it annoying. And this, this really hit me one day that they're just trying to joke and not only am I not laughing, 
but I'm getting frustrated with them that they're not doing something that they're supposed to be doing because we gotta get somewhere we need to get to. And not only am I not laughing and enjoying it anymore, I'm yelling at them to hurry up because we gotta get somewhere. I think some of us are so overbooked, overscheduled, and overwhelmed that we wanna control anything so much so that we just wanna make some choices and what those choices are are often not really that healthy for us. And we know it, what's healthier for us is actually to get some sleep, but what we really do is say, I'm gonna binge watch a little bit of Madam Secretary or The Office or something just so I can control this and control something. So I'm gonna avoid sleeping and I'm just gonna do this. And I'm not even really talking about things that are actually really that bad for us, just things that we do to cope with this overwhelmed life that we live in. Paul put it this way in almost a rhetorical argument with uh, the church in Corinth, and he said this to them. He, he, he has this, he says in, in 1 Corinthians, you might say, I have the right to do anything I want, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, you say, but I will not be mastered by anything. It goes again, he says it again in 1023, almost the same thing because the argument still has to be there. I have the right to do anything I want, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything I want, you say, but not everything is constructive, not everything builds you up. And I think this is so helpful. 2,000 years ago, the Corinthians were trying to fight for their right to do what they wanted with the life that they had. It's my life, I can do what I want with it. I have the right to do anything I want. And it's interesting that Paul didn't actually argue with them about that. He said, but just ask yourself, is it beneficial? Does it build you up? Has it started to actually control your life? Is it, is it in charge of you? I don't think it's like news to any of us. This is not a surprise. But the truth is, is that time is our most valuable asset. There's no question about it. Time is our most valuable asset. It really is. And I think we could all finish this sentence together without a problem. There's never enough time, right? And the truth is, is that we can't make more of it all we can do is to choose to spend it differently. Here's what I would say, and I think this is kind of like the biggest thing that I've learned as I've started to think about this a lot this week, and I think the biggest problem for most of us, me included, is that I'm overwhelmed because I have too many important things in my life. When Carol and I went to, were, were in college, we were really involved with an organization called Campus Crusade for Christ. It's now called Crew, if you're familiar with it in that way. But one of the first things you hear when you get involved with Crew, and one of the first things we heard was uh, called the, this Knowing God Personally booklet. And it's this idea, it's kind of like Campus Crusade's way if they were gonna say, all right, if we're gonna squish the Bible down to the smallest thing that we could possibly do, here's what it would be so that you could get the essence of it. And inside of there, they have these things called the four spiritual laws. And they're basically like what God says about him and what he says about man. And the very first one of those principles in there is that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. The Bible talks about it this way in Ephesians. He says, for we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, his most prized creation, 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's almost like our purpose is laid out there, that there's a purpose for us. And then Jesus says this to us. He says, I came, I came into this world that they might have, they, they, the people that follow me and my children might have life and they might have it to the fullest. And I don't know how many of us would actually say right now, I'm living the most fullest life I could possibly live. This is it, I've got it, it's all taken care of. And I think for so many of us, because that we can't answer that positively, we keep trying to add more and more things in our lives to improve our lives, to balance them out, to give more to them. Maybe if I put this in there, it'll make it better. Listen, I don't think, actually, actually I know God didn't create people to just be busy and overwhelmed. That wasn't his desire. So many of us have started equating busyness almost with godliness. It's my duty to stay busy in this life and get more done. And we wear it like this medal of honor around our necks. When others ask us about our day, we can pour on them all the things that we had to get done, this and this and all the things, and it's this massive long list and how we didn't even have a minute to ourselves, but why? And I think it's because we're finding our significance in the busyness of our lives and we don't wanna miss out on one thing. We don't wanna say no to one birthday party. We don't wanna say no to one tournament. We don't wanna have to say we're we're trying to like, we, we will have time to catch up on life later. But then when we get to the place where we need to schedule just one more thing, then we're exhausted and we start to break. And then we fall back into one of those escape things or those things that we use to ignore and cope with life with it. Jesus actually warned his disciples of this exactly in Matthew 16. He says this to them. What good is it if you gain the whole world but you lose your soul? You can't have it all, but even if you could... What good is it in the end? Chad and I were talking about this idea this week um, that I think he called the wrong ladder syndrome. And I'm not even sure if that's a real title or if we were just talking about it or something like that, so I really don't know. But it was this idea that we're all kind of climb up these ladders of success, right? We're trying to get up to the top of these ladders. And we're climbing and we're going up these ladders. And we believe that when we get to the top of it, we'll find success or happiness or something and we're looking around like we're here, we've arrived, we made it. And if we just work harder, if we just work faster, if we get there, once we get there, we will be satisfied. So I'm gonna climb this ladder of my job. And when I get to manager or CEO and I'm at the top of it and I'm there, I will know happiness. If I help my kids to the point where their team is winning championships and maybe even my kid is the best player on the team, then I will know happiness. But each time we find out that when we get on one of these ladders and we actually get to the top and we look around and we don't actually find happiness, we start thinking, oh, maybe I just got on the wrong ladder. That's what it is, I just need to jump. And so we jump to one of these other ladders and we start climbing up it, hoping that when we get to the top of this one, that's where it'll be. And when we get there and we find it's not satisfied, we start looking for other ladders and we have this idea where we just keep jumping from wrong ladder to wrong ladder, climbing up and up. 
to see whether happiness is at the top of this one. Jesus said, I came to bring them, to bring them life and life to the fullest. And at River Ridge, we believe that the fullest life that you can have is through Jesus himself. It's not found in our job success. It's not found in our kids' success. It's not found in our bank account. It's not found in the fact that I can get my feet in the sand more times this year. The problem is for most of us that we keep climbing these ladders and haven't fully given ourselves over to that particular truth that Jesus brings the fullest life. And we're even trying to straddle multiple ladders at the same time. So I've got this one where I'm climbing my job ladder and I'm climbing my kid's basketball ladder and I'm trying to climb God's ladder at the same time. And Jesus warned us of that too. In Matthew 6, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both, God and money. Insert whatever you want in there. You cannot serve both God and whatever for you. You cannot serve both God and success. You cannot serve both God and comfort. You cannot serve both God and popularity. You can't serve both God and the American dream. You can't serve both God and whatever. The problem is, how do we do this? It's a really difficult thing because I can't quit my job or stop paying my bills. I can't give my kids back to the hospital. They're yours. I don't have time for them anymore. But Paul gives us some direction on this. And in Ephesians 5, he tells us, he says, Look carefully then, look carefully, pay attention, look around, be aware, see what's going on here. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul is addressing believers with this passage This isn't a message to non-believers to wake up for the first time and to accept the good news of the gospel message. This is for believers who have committed their lives over to Jesus, that he's saying, look carefully, pay attention. See, hear what I'm getting ready to say to you. Make the best use of the limited time that you have. You need to understand what the will of the Lord is. These days are evil, man. They, aren't going to ta- they, they are going to take your time and distract you from God's will for your life. So don't think it isn't going to happen because it is. These days are evil. So you have to decide what is most important. So if you are taking notes this morning, the first point of how we can start to apply a little bit this to our life is that I have to make a decision. I have to decide what is important. I read a book in college that profoundly impacted me in my life, and it was called Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. Um, If you haven't read it, I'd encourage you to do that. But in the beginning of the book, he starts to talk about this in his preface of the reason why he wrote the book. And so he starts with this. He says, the Bible says, you're not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. And he says this, I've written this book to help you taste these words as sweet instead of bitter or boring. If you're a Christian, you're not your own. Christ has bought you at a price of his own death. You now belong doubly to God. First, he made you, and now he bought you. 
This means that your life is no longer your own. It is God's. Therefore, the Bible says, glorify God in your body. God made you for this. He bought you for this. This is the meaning of your life. And there has to be a point where that truth changes us. I have to make a decision. This is what is most important for me for what it is is what is most important to God. It's our number one core value at River Ridge. Living God's way is better. And I think decide is way more than just agree, right? Like decide is a little bit more definitive. It's done. I made the decision. There is only one most important thing. There are other important things, but I belong to God. He made me, he bought me, and when he died for me on the cross, he owns me. And I have decided. But because these days are evil, I have to recommit to my decision almost basically daily. Jesus even told his disciples that. He said, hey, if anyone would come after me, if you're gonna follow me, if you're gonna be my disciple, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So each day, I personally, I wanna try to recommit my day to God. Every day, I wanna wake up in the morning and I wanna commit my day to God. Well, let me be completely honest. When I first wake up, I do not have any of my senses, so God does not have my first hour of my day. I'm just trying to be alive and awake in that moment. But as soon as I get my senses, I wanna take that moment and say, God, this is your day. I give this to you, whatever you want. I commit my day to you, it's yours, God. So we have to decide what is most important. We have to daily recommit to that decision every day. The second thing we do is that when I have decided what's most important in my life, I will order my calendar around the important. The truth is is that we give calendar space to things that are important. If we don't, then something will inevitably replace that space. When we have something going on in our life that really matters to us, we put it on our calendars immediately so that we don't overbook ourselves and we don't double book ourselves because something is going to have to give if we do that. And when we are overwhelmed, one of the first things that I think we likely sacrifice is our relationship with God unless we guard our time. Because we think, eh, he'll be okay. I'll just make it up tomorrow or the next week or next year. We'll catch up at that point. So I'll tell you for me, this is what I have to do for myself. This is, this is just me, but this is kind of how I schedule out my life. I have three or four blocks of my week, every single week that are scheduled specifically for my relationship with God. I talk to God all through, through the day. He's involved in my whole life, but there are some things that I commit that I put on my calendar that are blocked out for me every week. Every week, we have Sunday marked on our calendar that we are here, right? Now, in all fairness, we work at the church, right? So it is our job, so we have to be here. So I can't just say, I'm not gonna be here. But even before we were on staff with the church, there was never a question when we woke up, hey, are we gonna go to church today? It was already settled. That was never a question that we asked ourselves. Because I know that when I come to church and worship alongside you guys through singing and through serving and through giving and through the teaching that it's a kind of a staple in my life that must be there in order for me to maintain 
my decision, what's most important is most important. Every Wednesday, my home group meets. Well, actually, we haven't been meeting as, as regularly during the summer, but during the school year, every week, uh, our group connects with each other. And we talk with each other about this week's past, past Sunday's message and how that message it can be applied to our own lives. And we hold each other up in prayer, and we create a place where we can belong with a group of people that we might be able to believe what God says so that eventually we will become who he's called us to be in life. Every Thursday morning at 5.45, we don't actually meet at that time, but that's the time I have to get up. I get up and we meet with three other guys that are in my life right now that are walking this journey with me every single week. We get together and we talk through our daily quiet time with God. We talk about what God has been teaching us. We share our struggles with each other about living out what God has called us to do. And we talk about that calling and how we're going to follow that together. We hold each other up to accountable, to be, uh, we, we hold each other accountable to memorizing scripture so that we have God's word in our heart in such a way that when we're talking to people, it comes out. And we hold each other accountable for caring for those who haven't met Jesus yet in their life. And every single week, I leave charged, encouraged, built up that I'm going out to live what God has called me to do. And if it wasn't for placing these things on my calendar, I wouldn't have time for them. We know that we don't just drift towards God unless we're taking our next steps every single day. But it isn't because of God or this journey that we're on with him that we're overwhelmed. It's not that reason. It's because we're still trying to decide between our two masters or our two ladders. We're still trying to climb. We're still straddling two lives in our life right now. And it just can't work. The thing about the Christian life is that it's a journey and we're not perfect at this point. But you can't try to be on two paths at the same time. You have to make a decision that either you're on the journey with God or you're on the path to something else. And we believe that if you truly fully commit to the life that is given over to God that you will experience the abundant life that Jesus has said that he offers. And the reason that we're overwhelmed is that we're trying to find or go after two goals at the same time, and it just can't be done. Once we have decided what is most important, once we have ordered our calendar around that, the third thing we need to do is actually eliminate some of the non-essentials in our life. After we schedule out all the important things in our life, there's gonna be margin. There's gonna be open space in our time. There's gonna be time that we can decide what else we wanna put in there. How many kids' activities are we gonna be involved with as a family? Do we wanna plan a trip with our family? Do we wanna go do those things? Do we wanna to get to all the birthday parties? Do we want to um, go to the pool this week? Do we want to actually go back and try to finish up that degree that I started years ago? Do we wanna start our own business? Do we want to have these things in our lives? But listen to the way the author of Hebrews says. He, he tells them, hey, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race that's been marked out for us. With what limited time we have, the more we cram into it, the more overwhelmed we will be. That isn't rocket science. 
Oh, I'm so glad I came to church to hear that. The more I put in my schedule, the more overwhelmed I'll be, right? But I think it's helpful here to see how the author talks about this. Pull, pull that passage back up real quick. He says that throw off everything that hinders and the sin. So everything that hinders us is not necessarily bad. It's not, the, it's not the bad things. Everything that hinders us is not necessarily sin. Some of the stuff that, that, that hinders us isn't sin. It's allowable. It doesn't go against God's guidance, but does it hinder you? We need to be okay to recognize that there are some good things that we're gonna need to eliminate out of our lives so that we can definitely say yes to the better things. We have to say no to Netflix so we can say yes to sleep. We have to say no to this birthday sleepover at this kid's house so we can say yes to getting time together as a family to come to church. And I think more things are probably non-essential than we're currently claiming that are in our lives. I heard this uh, wise teaching to me um, while I was studying for this and while I was looking at this topic and a man was talking about how many people come to church and they expect to walk out with this kind of to-do list of things that they're gonna need to do to improve their Christian life. Things that they need to add to their schedule. And the truth is, probably in our culture, we probably need to create a not-to-do list more than a to-do list. When we get our calendars in front of us, we need to look at it and say, okay, before we start putting things on there, let's make this list of things we're not going to put on there because we're gonna be tempted to insert them in there and we need to have some boundaries in our lives now and so we need to start creating a not-to-do list right now. Fourth thing we do, and this is gonna be quick, we just, I, I will evaluate and take inventory. Again, uh, this isn't a one-time thing. It isn't just something we do a single time. But if we make a plan, and we do, we need to make a plan, and we need to revisit that plan. We execute the plan, and we look back at the plan, and we see, did I do what I said I was going to do? And if I did what I said I was gonna do, did I accomplish the things we needed it to accomplish? Do I have actually more margin in my life, and I can insert a few more things if, if, if I want to? Did I not... Are we still not getting to the important things that we have identified as important and we're still struggling to make them the most important? Do I need to eliminate some more things in my life? Do I need to get rid of some of these non-essentials that are there, that are crowding out? I, honestly, uh, like, I, I, I will just be honest. Can I be honest then? How about that? Not that I've been lying the rest of the time, but I, I will be honest in this moment as well. Uh, about me, I'm not doing this perfect. I, I, I will say that. I might even be on the bad side of this. Like, I, I'm over on the bad side. And probably that's true, because Carol has often had to tell me, hey, we can't do everything. And I'm like, well, maybe we could if we move this over to this day and we move this to this date, then we can create the space right here that we can do these things. So I'm very much on a journey with this one. I, I, I am very much there, but I always find it interesting that sometimes God calls me to teach a message that I'm right in the middle of myself trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. So if you know me well and you're thinking, he doesn't even eliminate the non-essentials, I'll agree with you. It's, it's often there for me. And it is, a, it is a struggle that I'm on and you are right about. 
but I do know that living God's way is better. <laughs> and I personally want to take steps in this area, and I am hoping that you wanna take those steps with me this week and moving forward. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for the gift of this day. I thank you that you came and said you bring the fullest life, and that's why you came, that we might experience life abundantly. And this world, it crowds out because of the evil days that are here. It tries to crowd out and take away that fullest life by saying we need to go after this and we need to go after this. And we find these counterfeit ways of trying to create the fullest life. And God, you said, I offer it to you. And so many of us need to get off of and let the other ladder go and just pursue you as most important. Everything else follows after that. God, help us to reorder our schedules to match what is most important so that we might be able to do and live out the calling that you've given us to go and make disciples wherever we are. I pray for us as we pull calendars out and it's difficult to do and it will not be an easy process, but that we look at it and we say, scratch it, scratch it for the better, scratch it for the better. Let's try to go after the better, let's go after the better. Let me get some other people around me that are going after the better. God, I pray that we would praise you as we walk out of these doors today and that we would glorify you for who you are and that our lives would represent that. And as we go out into this world, that God, you would be glorified through the life that you've given us and that others would know you truly for who you are and they would experience that. And then we get an opportunity to show, point them towards that way. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for what you did for us on the cross. We love you, God.